This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Hi, I'm Melinda, and you're listening to Think Retail. We all know COVID has changed the game for many retail categories. Some have been obvious winners and others are feeling extremely strained. For the fashion industry, some are saying the pandemic may be a day of reckoning. Today, we're talking to iconic Canadian fashion designer, David Dixon, and his brother, interior designer, Glenn Dixon, about the silver lining and how smart brands can use this as an opportunity to leap into the future. Thank you both for being with me today. Um, Can you both Tell our listeners a little bit about you and your careers to start us off. Why don't we start with David? Okay, um, thank you for having me and uh, bringing me to your audience. Um, I started my interest in fashion at a really early age, um, probably around 10 or so. Um, And we grew up in the house, uh, I'm the youngest and Glenn's the second youngest of six. Um, So we grew up in a large family, a lot of things, busy, busy household. Um, Fashion wasn't on the radar so much. My, my parents were very concerned that we looked, you know, clean, at least, you know, that we were... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 so there wasn't a huge disposable income for clothes, per se. So, um, so we were, were tidy, we went to church, did all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, um, my parents were very creative. So we picked up on that bug um, in terms of being, how to, how to make things more resourceful, more useful, more desired. Um, so in that case, my start was at a very early age, watching the love boat and realizing there was this career called fashion and there were designers like Halston, Gloria Vanderbilt, Jeffrey Bean. Um, and then my drawing started making sense because I was always drawing. And that led into doing home ec, being the only guy in class, which led to Ryerson where I graduated in 93. And in 95, I started my business. Great, thank you. Glenn, how about you? Um, I, um, I am an interior designer and brand strategist. I've been in the business for about 20, 25 years. I also uh, I collaborate with David and I help out with his branding and marketing over the last 25 years, which we are celebrating this year. And Yay. alone, alone, <laughs> alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I started out, um, I started out in um, interior design, basically very similar to David, although it, my mentor was my mother, and we used to uh, play, around, play around with rooms and switch, you know, switch things up, and my father would come home and say, where's the wall gone? And we'd be, you know, be mom and Glenn. Um, so that's, that's where my inspiration started. But my passion, um, my passion initially was in design. I would say today it has evolved into more of an explorer of culture and sort of how we integrate design into it. And that perspective has altered the way I think it operates. So my first conversations with clients is very little to do with design and everything to do with their culture. Thank you. It sounds like you had a really interesting childhood. Um, really creative family, obviously. David, can you tell us what insiders in the world of fashion are talking about when it comes to how COVID-19 is going to change the game? Well, from my observations and discussions, because this, for us, came out of, we weren't really prepared for it. The fashion industry really wasn't prepared for it um, because we were considered non-essential workers. All of a sudden, um, people were not making clothes. They were making masks and carbons and PPE. Um, so in terms of this pandemic hitting the fashion world and fashion be considered more of a frivolity 
or is something that is a non-essential item, even though we need clothes, we have to sort of rejig the way we think. And this whole um, past three, four months, I think a lot of people have been redoing that, rethinking how their strategies are going to be. How, how, is, how are we going to make fashion part of our, well, I believe fashion is part of the culture anyway. Um, it's the first, it's a non-spoken language. Um, we still want to speak with our clothes. We still want to be ourselves. We still want to be part of it. Um, I don't think it's going to die. Like people think, oh, fashion is dead. But after 25 years, I've seen so many altercations, you know, or invasion, intrusions into our lifestyles um, in terms of whether it was SARS or 9-11, all these are the in 2008 uh, economy breakdown. So, but we still survived. So what we're doing now is gathering information, exploring new ways of doing business and setting sites for sort of a more interesting way of doing things because we can't do what we've always done because we're always getting what we're sad, right? So, um, so moving that forward. Glenn, if we were going to take a glass half full point of view, what do you see as the big opportunity for fashion retailers or even retail in general, if you want to talk more broadly? Well, we all know that online shopping continues to surge um, in popularity, but multi-channel retailers now, more than ever, they need to find new and innovative ways to attract customers into the stores, particularly their flagships, because that's the store that sort of tells the customer who they are. Bricks and mortar retailing is no longer just about stacking and selling product. I think the opportunity is to really catch shoppers' attention and learn how to like teach them perhaps even how to entertain or entertain the customer and offer services to create an experience their customers you know cannot find elsewhere things like product demos touchless interaction the elimination of every pinch point state-of-the-art digital displays in-store services such as you know beauty treatments personal shoppers are going to be a big thing and, and not just in the luxury sector concierge services they really, they really, uh, retailers now need to look at ways to elevate their stores into a destination for experiences. All this while keeping their staff and their clientele safe. It really comes down to bringing back the joy in, in shopping and getting to know brands. And I think that, uh, I think that's, is happening uh, right, before, right now for any um, successful retailer to move forward. Um, you know, so grocery stores like Amazon and Walmart, they've all done really well while fashion and luxury especially has been kind of deprioritized. I think I wrote, at the time I wrote these questions, it was over 33 million Americans or unemployed, but that number has gone up. Um, other people are working from home and they found their values maybe shifting a little bit. For fashion brands, is there a need to pivot to a new value, do you think, that will resonate with customers? Either one of you can go ahead and answer that. Well, I think fashion always matters, right? It's, it matters to the economy, to society, and to each of us personally. You know, like I think David pointed on this a little bit, but like faster than anything else, what we wear tells the story of who we are or who we want to be. And despite its faults, one of the things fashion can do is spread an idea around very powerfully and coherently. I think uh, what will alter perhaps is in terms of styling. Um, you know, the, what people are, you know, people are, I know I've wanted more uh, comfortable clothes. Um, and, I, and I think that I was just shopping the other day and um, I think that there is sort of a, uh, a Christmas morning effect happening right now where it can be fun to, or it is fun to shop again. So retailers just really need to be prepared to have a safe environment for everyone and ensure that what's online is in stock. 
So if we look at how important it's been for consumers that brands take uh, take a, a value stand, not only during COVID, um, but as part of social justice protests, for example, what we're seeing right now with Black Lives Matter, um, do we think that the sustainability issue may become more important for fashion brands to embrace? David, what do you think about that? For me, it's, uh, my business is always based on transparency. We've only, uh, we've, 99.9% we produced all in Canada, in Toronto, with factories that have been certified, inspected. Um, so that's something I think the consumer will want, um, and even more so, that the clothes are, they know where they came from, where the fabric is from, how it's being manufactured. I think that's going to be a key for the, the, the new customer, especially the younger generation. They're used to hearing the word sustainability, reuse, recycle, all that upcycle. We see that now, uh, especially with younger emerging designers, because they, um, they can't afford their rent, let alone put a collection together. So they're trying to find useful things and repurpose them. So I think the whole idea of windows wide open in terms of where the product is coming from, the story behind it, um, because uh, the customer really wants to have a connection with the brand or the designer and be a part of that culture. That's why we. That's why perfume sales are what they are. They can't afford the, you know, the Armani suit. They'll buy the Armani cologne. Um, so it's kind of that engage reengagement and transparency and openness and experience. Just being having the experience of being part of that design world. The only thing that I would add to that is the especially like the millennials and the Gen Zs that are coming up on the topic of the social justice area is the, how people are treated, how the workers are treated, right? Do they get, you know, is there long-term, like the, the, the manufacturers of these, of these clothes or anything for that matter? Like do, are the workers getting long-term employment opportunities? Are they getting fair wages? Are men and women being paid equally? Um, is the environment safe, right? Uh, can the workers speak, like free speech kind of thing? And are they protected from prejudice, discrimination, abuse, sexism, racism, sexual harassment, and so much more? Um, and also, people need to be have access to health care, you know, and time off. And can they improve their skills? And also access financial assistance so that they can get out of uh, poverty, you know, things like that. I think that the it's very, very important for the for retailers and manufacturers of anything that the consumer are gonna, is going to want to know exactly that their employees are treated um, the way they should be. Yeah, and, and we've done a lot of studies during um, the, the pandemic, and that is something that we've heard from the respondents over and over and over again, is that the way brands treat their employees is really important to them during this time especially. So I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, so right now, and probably for the foreseeable future, there's going to be a lot of browsing happening online. Um, how can retail brands use this as an opportunity? I think we do it naturally anyway. I would never in my, my wildest day think that I would buy something off, off, off online. I never thought I would. And guess what? I'm doing it for a number of years now. <laughs> um, oh, it's easy. It comes to my door. Okay, I tend not to buy clothing so much. I buy books all that kind of stuff and household stuff. But I think it is kind of an, an opportunity to have an online presence, definitely. Don't judge my website by any means. To have that awareness of the product. Again, people are going to look at home. They're, 
who knew that, you know, way back when, where you go and look at the catalog, you fill out your form, you do get your, your piece. So that was like pre-internet shopping, really. And so I think the whole experience is, people will still browse, but like going back to Glenn saying, when you go to bricks and mortar, that they should have it available and in your size. I mean, I, I'd have to be convinced of the fit, really, because my, well, my weight certainly fluctuates. It certainly has been fluctuating recently with the COVID. But, um, <laughs> I feel you, Glenn. <laughs> uh, but I, I still, I love the store experience, but I do, like, the, for the online experience, it must be really flawless and easy to navigate. And, you know, the descriptions of product must be exactly right no pinch points and per speaking personally um i do get annoyed um from retailers that remind me of an item i looked at you know several weeks ago and it pops up every day so like you need to know your limits but yes i do like to do the research and it is convenient but i do love the whole experience of shopping um and like i said i, I the fit is is really um it's, it's like it's, you've got to know the fit or you know every every detail of garments are going to have to be um very specific and right, you, you know, because nobody wants to return things, right? It's right. a hassle to return. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I mean, I think it speaks a bit to brand loyalty, where if you're familiar with a brand and you know what size you are, you may be more likely to purchase something there because you can rely a little bit more on it. But it is a tricky one to figure out how to communicate that online. So what is the opportunity for luxury brands, given that many people around the world are out of work, they may have suffered uh, several months of, with a reduction in income, even if they are still employed. Where do we see luxury playing? You know, the, the luxury market has legs, always has. And, and I believe the luxury market will be okay. You know, look at what happened when they opened up the Hermes store in, um, after lockdown in China, and they had a record day in sales. So there's, there's two reasons that I see it. Uh, people of affluence, you know, they, they, they tend to sustain their wealth and the working class person looks to buy a luxury item as more of an aspirational reward for hard work or desire. I think the, the big opportunity for luxury brands is now to showcase their empathetic side and they've got to give back to causes and be very vocal about it that are important to the consumer, right? We, like, we all need to know that the brand cares about the world we live in. David, what are your thoughts? Um, I think, again, it's about reinvention. Even the luxury houses have to reinvent themselves a little bit. Um, we've looked in the past by changing designers and heads of, you know, whether it's at Dior. Um, shows are still going on. They're planning, you know, cruise collections like Chanel and Dior. Um, they're, they're talking about shows in the fall for to showcase spring. So I think people are trying to create a new normal, but there's, it's hard to create new normal when that, that sort of setup has been established for so long. And because it was effective in terms of, okay, you get a number of people in the room, everyone sees it, it's done, it's finished, you can go on to the next. Uh, but I think the luxury brand, you know, when they change, for example, like Glenn was mentioning, Hermes in China was like, there was a lineup to get in because they opened a door to buy bags and scarves, you know. Um, and then we look at Louis Vuitton and Chanel, and even in Yorkville, the minute the stores were starting to open, there were lineups of these luxury brands. And we saw people and consumers running around with bags from Harry Rosen and Chanel and all these kind of things. So there is, the people who have a lot of money will probably always have a lot of money. Um, and then, as Glenn mentioned, those aspirational gifts to oneself. 
Um, you've done a good job. You've done worked hard. I'm going to spend $500 on a belt. So uh, I think they're pretty well poised because I mean, it's a conglomerate, right? These luxury brands um, dictate a lot of how we see things and what's in our environment and what we consider aspirational. If we look at previous times in history where fashion's been disrupted, and I'm thinking about the world wars, there was a lot of innovation in terms of materials. A lot of people were sewing their own clothes. Is there an opportunity around innovation for today's fashion brands? Um, the only thing that I, I like, the, the biggest uh, innovation that I see is uh, technology. And you heard it here first. I soon b believe that people will have the ability to, de to design their own clothes under the sort of the tutelage of fashion houses, um, perfectly fitted for them. So it's bespoke, but one step further. So imagine going online and being able to pr program your body, pro pick your fabrics, pick every element of the clothes and customize it to yourself. Or it's sort of like as kids where you could, you know, put together your Barbie outfit, but it's more, it's more personalized to you. And you could actually sort of design, I think, self-design because people are getting savvy about what looks good on them and also what what they what they'd like to wear so i think i think that's going to be an like it's going to delve more into that so like designing your own sorry david uh but people are going to start designing their own outfits <laughs> david, what do you oh, think? Everyone, everyone's a designer <laughs> um, <laughs> i like plates i think from, from what we've seen in the past um when uh, when we've had you know world wars, um, you know, uh, disease, things like that. Um, innovation does come from that because people want to be hopeful. They want change. They want something to look forward to. Um, so and it, I do agree technology will play a large part in that. Um, and that demi couture um, and bespoke will probably elevate. Um, but from, uh, you know, manufacturing, like it's, it's a challenging, um, and it's sort of a challenging experience for, like, for me, for someone coming and saying, I want that with this, with that, with that, with that, um, in terms of selling uh, to a larger audience. Um, so there could be a shift to um, a more personalized designer. If you're going to a designer, getting personalized treatment, um, as opposed to going to a chain of stores and just getting, you know, buying some happy for that day. Um, I don't think, um, Glenn said the whole Christmas effect, I think that's going to be happening. Um, like it's Christmas time, I'm going to buy myself something good uh, or just something for, to make me feel better. Um, but in terms of the, what's going to come out of this is I, I think just a new approach to what design means um, in terms of what is it for? Uh, how, are we, how are we doing it? Why are we doing it? Uh, what is our contribution and what stories are going to be told to our audience that, they'll, that resonates with them? So over 80% of clothing purchases were made in the store prior to COVID. Obviously stores were closed, sales were affected. Now that sto stores are opening with varying degrees of regulation, depending on where you are, you talked a little bit about this at the beginning, Glenn, but how can fashion retailers reimagine the, the customer journey? I'm talking about browsing, trying on clothes and enjoying the experience. Um, well, I'm going to be honest, I went shopping uh, last week, uh, so I was, you know, guilty, but the stores were open and it was an interesting experience, but I, um, I went to update my summer slouchy wardrobe, but the, what was on the mouths of many people were pricing, so like initially, I think that people were expecting it to be like a uh, fire sale kind of thing, um, where prices, where everything would be like slashed by 75%, and they weren't, but 
the lineups at the cache, albeit six feet you know away from each other, was 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 full. I think that the whole like the whole shopping experience now is sort of like fun. We're getting away with something almost, you know, that kind of an attitude. But the only thing that the big glitch or the pinch point that I find that it's going to be a real challenge for people to come get over is the actual ability to try on clothes. I think I think that until there's a vaccine, um, it, it's, it's going to uh, it's going to be a, a problem. What I do uh, think would be a good idea is, you know, for the interim anyway, um, I think that like when you go to Ikea, they have those disposable measuring tapes. I think that if you're clothes shopping, you need to like, like it would, it would be handy to have, you know, those, you know, little plastic uh, measuring tapes so that you can, you know, double check your sizing. I mean, that's part, but I do think that anyone that's really an anxious about COVID-19 is not going to go shopping. Like people that are really, you know, like that it's, uh, they have that anxiety. I don't think they're going to go shopping. I do think the people that, you know, they're wearing the PPEs and they're, um, and, and they like the whole experience of shopping. I think they're going to still do it. And I think that it's, it, it will return, it will return to fun again. I really do. Yeah, David, do you have any thoughts on the store experience and how fashion retailers can reimagine it? Well, I don't do a lot of personal shopping myself. So when I do go to a store, I tend to go to stores where I have, I feel good in. Like I can understand the product that's laid out, it's clean, it's easy to identify. Um, so, you know, I've gone to Marshalls on occasion and, and enjoy the hunt, so to speak. So for, for that, um, I think once we get over that we can try things on, touch things and be able to move around the space, I think it's really being able to, um, for stores, especially retailers, larger ones, or even small boutiques, is really to um, engage their customer a little bit more, make them feel a little bit more special, uh, safe, of course, um, and at the same time, let them escape for a little bit. You know, the whole idea of going into a store and looking and browsing and, and trying to find something new, whether it's a lamp or whatever, whatever you're looking for, is that, you're, that you want to escape a little bit and, and again, search and hunt and find. Or if you're going out for something specific, be able to find it in a, a pleasant way, that, it's, that the, the staff are you know, knowledgeable of where the pieces come from, um, where, and just be happy and friendly and all that sort of thing. I think that's where you won't go into certain department stores, not naming any, where you can go in and you have to search for an attendant or a checkout, you know what I mean? I think that that will have to be changed considerably. I think the the whole geography of the store needs to change as well. Like the spacing between, like, so like a lot of stores will fill up, you know, shelves just for the sake of filling up shelves. But I think that, I think retailers really have to take a curated approach to um, everything about their business, including their, their, what they stock and what they sell, because you know, you can go to stores and some people like the experience where there is a lot of, lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. But I think if it's edited um, well, and there's, you know, so that there's more space to, to walk around um, and, you know, social distance as well. I think that's a really, I think that's really important for retailers. Um, I think that you really got to sort of pick it and stick it on what you're offering and, and put out the best you can be as opposed to, you know, um, inundating uh, point of sale items or, you know, trying to be all things to all people. I think you really got to, I think this is the time that retailers really have to buckle down and say, who am I and what am I putting out there? 
especially if it is going to be a more time consuming process. That means I'm going to limit the number of places I'm going to choose to go to because now my, my shopping experience, I I don't, I can't hit five stores in an hour. I've got to take one hour for one place. So people are going to be a bit more choosy about where they go. I I really liked what you're saying, David, about how, you know, to give people an escape. And I do think that uh, as, you know, we're going to see some fluctuation with the pandemic and in these moments where, where we are in Ontario right now, where things are looking a little bit better, that in those sort of positive moments, it is going to be really important for people to have their spirits lifted. And this is something that fashion can certainly offer people. So I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, If I could get a final note from both of you on what you think the most exciting opportunity the pandemic has created for the fashion industry is, who wants to start with that one? Dave, go ahead. I think the most interesting thing that will be happening after once we get into our new normal, we're going to see a real surge of new emerging designers. We're going to see new brands that we've never heard of. We're going to, because they're quite savvy on Instagram and social media and things like that, they have their platforms there. And they're building that sort of recognition of who they are, what they believe in. Um, it's very curated, the, the emerging designers that are coming up. And they're competing. Now, I think the playing field of the, the, old, the old guard versus the new guard, I think will even out a little bit. I think we're going to have a lot more opportunity and a lot more introduction to new ideas. Because right now, pre-COVID, um, when I was like, it was probably around Christmas, I was just, you know, just overwhelmed by the sameness, a lot of the product that's out there. And so this is a buyer's, you know, a buyer's um, for the store that's their, that's their gig is to make sure things sell per square foot. So, but I found after store, after store, after store, it's the same, but different as opposed to, wow, that's really interesting. That's really new. I did come across a few labels within that search that I thought, you know, the stores were giving them a little bit of a try. Stores like Simon's is very good for that type of um, environment where they'll put high next to low. Sometimes it's a little shocking. You look at one price and it's like, oh, it's <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've had that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, super cute. And then you look at the price to the thing next to it and it's like, oh my, I can't have the whole look. But um, I, yeah, I think stores like that are being very progressive. Like Simon's on a department store level. But, and I guess because it's also a family run business and they only have five stores. Um, so from that scale, but down also onto, you know, small emerging designers who are coming out and trying to introducing us to things that we wouldn't have had before through the likes of social media. Well, and I think to that point, David, I think there's a special, like a specialty craving. So like if I'm going to go and spend, because people have become more, I, w- I don't I hate to use the word, but responsible with money because they, they are, you know, for, there's millions of people unemployed, right? So like you know, people are more responsible. So if they're going to spend money, it has to have the quality, it has to have the uniqueness, and just that it, they have to feel special in it. So that's really to your point on that. Um, the only thing that I would add above that would be, I think that the most exciting opportunity that sort of come, will come or has come out of all of this is that from the retailer perspective is that uh, the good retailers are treating their employees with more value and also their con- customers. So there's a real love for the employees and the customers right now. And, and that, I think, is really the greatest opportunity. Treat your employees well. They will treat your consumer, your customers well. Um, I think that, that you know, the appreciation for people, I think, has, has, has been, at least as I see it, the greatest lesson out of all of this. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, and I think that also connects with what David is saying in that um, some of these new up and coming brands are really placing an emphasis on that right from the get go. And so it does kind of even the playing field out a little bit. If that's what customers are valuing, then they're going to be looking to these brands to say, oh, look, they're, you know, showing me about who's who, who's sewing their garments and where they live and what they're being paid and what kind of benefits they're getting. And I can see a picture of them on Instagram. That's a great story to lure me into wanting to know more about that brand. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you both so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate all your thoughts. It's fun to have the Dixon brothers on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's fun to be on and thank you for having us. Listening to David and Glenn, what really jumps out at me is a cry for something unique, refreshing, interesting, and really well thought out. It's fair to say that some fashion brands have already been on this journey and COVID has simply accelerated the process. But as David mentioned and Glenn reiterated numerous times, there's a lot of the same out there and they're not just talking about product. If there was ever a time to really decide what your brand means and how your store experience delivers above and beyond expectations, it's right now. Thanks again to Glenn and David. And remember, you can find Think Retail on iTunes, Spotify, and our website, sld.com. Thanks for listening. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast. Next time, we discuss how sports teams can reach a wider audience through branding. We hope you'll join us.